through the night She just want the tip, no advice On the side of the road, what's the risk? Roll the dice, if they catch us, I don't care Cause we all gonna die Welcome into another edition of the Big Red Louie podcast. My name is Presley Meyer. I will be your host tonight alongside Alex Stingle. Alex, what's going on, buddy? How you doing, Press? I'm doing really well. Um, I'm told that you're a little curious about what's going on right now around your feet. A little bit, yeah. So it didn't occur to me. I obviously follow you on uh, social medias. Mm-hmm. On the on the Twitter sphere, social mediums, yeah, on, on the line and whatnot. And we just spent an entire day together, literally on Saturday. Yeah, and I don't know how this didn't come up, but you right. adopted another dog, right? And when I was coming up to record this very podcast, I saw this little thing just sprint out of your door and just greet me at the steps, mm-hmm. which was adorable. Yeah. But then it occurred to me, I'm like, oh shit, I should have probably asked Presley. About that, like, because I adopted a dog, and, mm-hmm. you know, I love animals, so yeah. I'm a little upset with myself. I just didn't, I thought you were, like, having a friend's dog over whenever mm-hmm. you took the photo. Yeah, it still kind of feels like a friend's dog. So, yeah, I saw you Saturday. Like, last time I saw you was Saturday night. Sunday morning, um, I go into work. I'm there for, like, two hours, and Taylor calls me, my fiance. She says, uh, yeah, so uh, you're going to kill me, but we're getting another dog. So, <laughs> oh, so you totally got the pit. Oh, dude, I totally got blindsided, and I was like, not totally sold on it. And then she was like, a, it's a puppy, and I was like, even less sold on it. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, this keeps getting worse. Right. Why so, are you telling me that? Nobody in her family has ever had a puppy, so they've never had to train a puppy. They don't know what that entails. So now I am training a puppy. So, um, I'm. <sighs> It is what it is. I'm pretty pumped, actually. So we got we got him after he was already potty trained. Adopted him from Humane Society. Shout out Kentucky Humane Society, un- un- unofficial sponsor besides Roosters of the Big Red Lily podcast. I just decided right now. Um, yeah. So we just got Luna. She is two months old from the Kentucky Humane Society. Um, she, as you've seen already, tries to pick up everything that she sees with her mouth, like my shoes and socks and blankets and cables for the podcast and that's good though i mean that's puppy things yeah that's puppy things very happy healthy puppy the dogs are getting along it's great uh if you follow me on social media you'll probably see a lot of puppy pics for the next couple of weeks so just to continue with this parade of pop conversation Mm -hmm. shout out to louisville metro animal uh services because that's where yeah very nice that's where tilly came and any other place who lets you adopt dogs right yeah adopt don't shop I, Absolutely. I'm a proud adopter. What a PSA a this is turning into right now. I'm <laughs> impressed. But anyway, so Tilly's like, she came prepackaged. Perfect. I mean, like, I didn't right. have to train her once. She hasn't peed or pooped in the house in three years. So if you don't years. follow Alex on Twitter, he has a, it's a pit, is it a pit bull? Is it no. A, so I live downtown and all my neighbors think so. And I'll never correct them because, you know, absolutely, yeah. you got to keep your street cred up. Uh, I think we actually looked, um, we tried to figure this out a while back. And I think she's an American bulldog. Because she's, she's white and has some spots, and then she has this right. big brindle eye patch on her face. Um, but, yeah, she came, like, I didn't – prepackaged, didn't have to train her at all. Mm-hmm. My parents, uh, a family dog, passed away probably, like, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're starting to, you know, like, get the itch. I kind of want a dog, right. blah, blah, Well, uh, because Tilly is so well-behaved, my father's pitch to my mother, because they've only had Yorkies – uh, growing up through childhood, we've only had very small dogs. So my dad's like, well, look how well, you know, 
Alex turned out with Tilly. He's like, yeah, I would love a big dog. Blah blah blah. They got a golden doodle. This thing, holy crap! I don't think they were prepared. I love yeah. him to death. If you guys are listening, is it adopted? Tucker's great. Adopted or is it a no? I think I think they yeah I think they purchased him. So he was uh, a puppy. He was. He's he's like sixty five pounds, but he who. Like, they're waiting for him to calm down, and yeah. every trainer that they've talked to has been like, yeah, just give it like another year and a half, two years. And they're like, wait, what? Yes. What's, yeah. what's going on? And this thing is like high energy all day long, all this stuff. Tilly sleeps like half the day. I take her on a walk, and we're mm-hmm. good. Give her some peanut butter. Yeah, so don't those, and, put her to bed. That's what Taylor wanted. She wanted a golden doodle, which uh, apparently we ended up at the opposite end of the spectrum with this little four-pound uh, canine. Um, however... Um, I'm glad that we decided on this because she does sleep like 20 hours a day. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but I did want to follow up on something from the last podcast before we get too deep into things. Um, we said on the last podcast title, the one thing that we just don't like about Chris Mack um, that we learned from Daniel Lerner last week that Chris Mack is apparently, allegedly, super into Applebee's. And I, my immediate response was I was super disappointed. I don't want to be a part of anywhere that sells $1 Mai Tais every day of the week for a whole month. Um, you get us back to winning <laughs> and get us back in the final four, you I will eat wherever I will want. sip a $1 Mai Tai with you any day of the week. Also, <laughs> that was a very good negative, creative, misleading headline. You like that? I did. That was impressive. I'm always trying to get the people <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, for sure. You, um, I think you perked up some ears on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, But Chris Mack's exact response was... <laughs> yeah. So, that so, wasn't even the best part of the story. Like, the interview... Like was awesome. Yes. We, like the interview was great, and then it ended up the response from the interview became more of a story than the interview itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Uh, Danielle gave us a lot of factual information that was really useful to us to anybody listening. Um, however, Mac had to give her a little bit of a uh, razz her a little bit. I guess he said he has not, in all caps, been to Applebee's in 20 years. Fact. Yuck. And it's Diet Mountain Dew, Danielle. Skyline number one. I think Chris Mack one-word sentences might be my favorite thing about his Twitter. Is that his most dad thing? Like we talk no, about uh, – so Chris Mack and Scott Satterfield. Probably not like, the most dad thing, but right? uh, I, I love his dad Twitter. I was about to say – so. Like Mac, it's a very dad Twitter. I was about to say Mack and Satterfield are just such dads, which well, I love. And that's the great – so you look at some of these other coaching uh, – like Twitter accounts, mm-hmm. especially like uh, the former basketball coaches. Yeah, um, yeah. And you can tell like they're not they're not the ones running it. Like they have no. There's they no don't, way. They either don't care this. or they're just their de- departments are too afraid. They're probably going to tweet yeah. something they shouldn't yeah. or anything else. Chris Max is like legitimately like dad mode twenty four seven. Like there's it's there's good. awesome basketball sprinkled in, which is the best part. Mm-hmm. Like he actually still gives you some insight and and all the stuff like. The uh the the little what are the, what do they call it not the little yum anymore but the Planet Fitness yeah, yeah, practice the, center the, facility the Kuber the Kruger Kuber Kuber Center right like when he was at Kuber. his when he was at his desk just tweeting out like that quick photo of like when they first started resurfacing the court for the big Dunkle Dunkle bird oh my the god Dunkle yikes <laughs> uh for the big Dunkin bird like that like that's awesome just having yeah. really cool personal interactions on Twitter. Really ties it into the family all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the whole family dynamic um, that Tyra's created over the past year and a half so far. It seems like, and we talk about this all the time, um, but it seems more and more like 
the culture of Louisville sports prior to the last two years was very much like um, almost like celebrity status, like with the Rick Pitinos, the Bobby Petrinos, uh, obviously Tom Jurich, one of the most well-known athletic directors in the country. Um, it feel like felt like everybody was always kind of celebrity status around here, like at arm's length, never felt like they were super – and that's not to say they didn't do an amazing job. That's not to say anything negative about their character at all. It's just they were very much um, – very much about their business, um, very much just not in tune with the public whatsoever. Um, and then it, it's a complete 180 with, you know, you have um, you have Vince Tyree coming in and um, basically just completely doing a 180 with, with, with the, the school's culture. So I think it's really, really fascinating, really interesting to follow along with. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up too, so, so we've spent almost all of Saturday – together we went to top golf cincinnati since we can't have the luxury of having one in louisville yet uh because the lights were so bright presley yes so we only took off our sunglasses for the pictures and i'm still seeing stars um even we started out our top golf session in in the middle of a thunderstorm and even then i could barely even see what i was looking at I, I can't even believe they build houses within three miles. There was an Ikea across the street, and I'm surprised they haven't shut down yet because it's so bright. I think the best part about that – so we we ended up, um, unfortunately, having to play on ground level, which if you're going to top golf, like, you be on the top. higher you go, the more fun it kind of mm-hmm. is. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like, but it's would fine. you would you want to smack a ball from like three stories up or just on the ground? Because I, right, right. I can do that pretty much. However, anyway. it did prevent Jacob from falling into the netting. It did. You know, yeah, throwing clubs and hitting people like the people above us almost did. Yeah, there was a club that actually dropped through. I don't know if it was from the. I'm assuming I'm, I would hope it's from the second floor because if it's from yes. the third floor, you got some issues. Yes, but there was yes. just a random club that just dropped almost right in front of us. I think like mid backswing for somebody. But yeah, the best part had to be mid thunderstorm, and these people like you look down the bays like the row of people. No one gave a crap. Nope. Like no one cared at all. Not that you, you have a bunch of, of lightning rods in your hand. You know, yeah, like it wasn't smacking us in the face. Like the rain wasn't or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, like you'd get up to whoever's turn it was. Like you could definitely feel like, hey guys, it's raining right next to me. It was kind of wet. Yeah. No one cared. Nope. Nope. So like no, we're at top well, off. It doesn't doesn't matter. As the lady that uh, always comes into my restaurant always says that super anti top golf, call it top drunk. They're calling it top drunk because everybody comes in here and they get all inebriated because basically it's a nightclub with golf clubs is what it is. I mean, if you bring your kids there, you are basically the devil. Yeah, I was appalled at how many families we saw. I mean, how many bad parents were? I mean, there had to be tons. There's tons. I mean, there's a game room for them. Like they even have their own like kids' corner in the first floor of like uh, like uncalled for total arcade. But then they have the full bar for the parents up top. I did appreciate that. So here's what I did that quickly. So so if we were okay, if we went back to Top Golf again, um, what kind of handicap would I need for us to for to make it more competitive? Because I think that about halfway through, you and Jacob kind of gave up. So what would make it competitive is if you didn't hit it in the back of the damn net every oh, okay. single ball. So I think that'd be fair. If I okay, you just so took could, out your giant driver right. and just like nailed it. Like drive after drive after drive. Yeah. So, while the other ones 
there had right. to compete with given <laughs> clubs because you know we wanted to just enjoy ourselves and right. not take it too seriously right. so we didn't bring our own mm-hmm. um but yeah so one everyone has to use the top golf regulated clubs okay. two you actually have to hit them in holes like y- you can't just start <laughs> i can't just whack home it runs the back time. hole no i have to hit it you could have saved so much money and just gone to a driving range <laughs> if that was your goal saturday no, my goal is to win. Well, you, and in you order, did that. In order to win, you hit it into the hole with the most points. Now, if, okay, so we, uh, I think that the best handicap would be to say that you guys can use whatever clubs that you want and hit it wherever you want, and I am limited to the 175 hole or back because those are less points. And then I'd have to be hitting irons the whole time into smaller – well, not smaller targets necessarily, but the closer targets with less points – that's all I'm okay. saying. Just, just so play with to, irons. To give us in, a shot. Put it in perspective. You get more points for hitting it to the further away targets. It's kind of cheating, but I can just kind of just basically just hit some easy drivers right down the middle every time, and it bounces off the netting back into the back hole. Um, it works nine times out of ten. So, which I mean, kudos, kudos to your consistency. Right, right. I'll give you that. <laughs> but. It so, is annoying because, okay. like, I would like to bring up. So Jacob, I shank mine. Like, so, I have a nice little corkscrew, so right. I I could get it to the net. It just was in the very left or right. Yeah, you don't shank it. You just you no, just hit just, like a it, trap draw. You just uh, whatever that means. Yeah, I mean, like they a, just don't stay straight. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's you, put it that way. I've never seen anybody hit consistent like like hooking 190 yard eight irons. For probably like a what are you like a twenty handicap maybe? I have no idea. Yeah, probably. I have no idea. What do you normally shoot? You break a hundred? Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably a twenty handicap ish. Yeah. Fifteen twenty. Okay. I didn't yeah, see like a, like I shoot like a forty four or forty five on like a yeah, that's, like a that's pretty hole. good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so Jacob was making me by the end. I was hitting my putter. I was hitting. What was I doing? I was hitting. I had some left handed shots. I had some women's clubs. We really mixed it up a lot. But like you were just like sitting down, just swinging like towards the like you didn't even you weren't no, even no no effort. Yeah, we were pounding towards the end. That was kind of fun though, because we just tried to use up all the balls we had left and just I, just whack them into the. I will say, as a transition, I don't think anyone listening wants to keep hearing about our Top Golf experience because yeah, yeah, so, it is going to come to Louisville. Yeah, but you did probably tune in to hear about some football. Yeah. So speaking of which, we're talking about gambling. I asked Alex before the show. <laughs> After Topgolf, yeah. here's the gambling. All right. No, no. Well, I was just saying, Solid if you transition. had, if you had to create a handicap, obviously, and that's what gambling is, right? So yeah. Louisville against Notre Dame, um, right now, Notre Dame, I believe, is minus twenty. I put twenty plus twenty, but I believe Notre Dame is minus twenty, heading into the first game. Um, how do you feel about what? Do, what is your take on that? Do you think that's about right? So if you're taking, if you're taking Notre Dame, and the points. Notre Dame has to win by 21 for you to for you, for you to profit off of that. Yeah, so what I think you, I got like think? a little I got like a little private um, spread going with DJ, one of the other writers at the BRL. Um, What's he giving I, you? I think we're at 20. Originally, this was like a couple weeks ago, so I hope he he doesn't you know get stingy and and draw the line down. But I think it's like a 24 is what he said. 24 or 27 is what he was giving me. So I was like, you know what? I'll take you at like. I forgot what the I'll have to go back and look at my right. what we agreed on, but it definitely was at least like four or five more points than than twenty. Okay. Um, 
What, I think I mean, twenty. I mean, like you can't you can't argue with crap this year right now, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, we, we are so talented, and our staff is so much better, and we're so much more capable, and everyone's on the same page, and we're really really gelling. That's all great, but to the national perception, you guys are still two and ten. You're doing an overhaul. You have a whole new staff. You guys are depleted from this, like, you know, just in general. So, I mean, like, we should not be surprised at all. We're in a very unique situation this year. Typically, we get really, really hype. Talking about, like, seven, eight, Mm. nine wins. Right. And then we just, like, get a little disappointed when that doesn't shake out. Right. You know? Like, if we even drop, like, a game or two we shouldn't have, we get pretty upset because we we are always set such high expectations. This year's total opposite, though. Right. Like, if they suck, we were supposed to suck. Mm Mm-hmm. If they if they don't suck, that's phenomenal. Cause like we're in it for the long like Satterfield's in it for the long haul. So anything extra we get is just gonna be that building block for next yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one thing that I think that we haven't mentioned that is important to note too: if you were a gambler and you were betting on Louisville last year, there <laughs> there was no hope for you. Why were you even betting? <laughs> so why were you even be- actually no? Yeah, betting against us would have been. I mean, like, we didn't hit the spread, what, like, maybe once? It was the last, so the last nine games, I believe, Louisville did not cover the spread. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. insanity. Because even, like, Vegas kept giving us right. hope. So, they were like, dude, you guys have to cover, like, 25 to Virginia. Right. Or, so like, Louisville's, you know, like, we'll give you 30 for Georgia Tech. But they're like, come on, guys, it's Georgia Tech. Like, we, you right. guys can co- totally cover 30. And then we go out and we're like, no, nah, you should have put it at, like, 55. Right. So, I mean, but that, that should... You should obviously factor that in. I think that this year, if you're a gambling guy or gal, um, I think that this year is a year that um, placing a little money on Louisville couldn't hurt you because I think there's a lot of games that UVL probably will lose, but I think they'll keep it closer than what the experts think. Yeah, and the whole general theme that you're hearing from a lot of the local media is because emotions are going to be high and it's game day and we're all wearing a same color, which never actually pans out, by the way. Like, I I love the ideas we have for basketball and football, whether it's a red out, white out, black out, you name it. No one ever actually wears the color they're supposed to. Never. And, like, they always try to shame them on the cameras and everything else, but, like, it doesn't work. Like, there's always, like, some random dude who's like, what? He's like, no. He's like, I what? just got a – this was a, a ticket that was given to me as a gift, and I just showed up with my friend. Right. I didn't know it was a blackout. <laughs> Like your you company know, cr- gave it to you. You're like, I'm from Nebraska. I don't Right. Like, there's always going to be those people. So, and then you have the other fan base that's like so hardcore. They're like, why didn't you wear black? You should have worn black. We told mm-hmm. you for months this was happening. What are you doing? It's like, yeah, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> that's all. Like, I mean, that's really the whole theme every time. Um, let's go uh, over some, let's go over some more games. So we have a couple of games from week zero and week one. What stands out to you as far as spread? So I, I want you to tell me a game. And I'll try to guess what the spread is on said game. There's what do you got? A, well, there's like a billion on uh, on Saturday, August 31st. Um, we'll start from – we'll go by dates though. So what are they calling it? Week zero? Week zero, yeah. <laughs> it's, not actually, it, it's not actually a, like an official week. Right. It's just like there's a couple of kickoff games. It always makes me think of like ground, like ground right. zero. Week zero. Right, exactly. Like, so does that mean even, that Florida and Miami will have three bye weeks? I'm not that sure how that's going to... They, they might, just finish the season early? And just no, I think they do get a little more... Re- you would think they get more rest, have right? To. Yeah. I, I haven't even looked at their I schedule, but Maybe I would assume just, like if you're starting a week before everybody else. And I think that's why you assume beforehand, I think you, that you thought 
their first game was to well, was 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 on a Thursday, um, but it's, it in fact is not the case. Uh, maybe because I'm an idiot. More time. Yeah, yeah, I got so hyped, and this week has been like I got sick Monday and Tuesday. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, it's one so of those. It's one of those. My, weeks my days are already like yes. mashing together, and for it's, some reason, I just thought that the the Florida. Miami game was like Thursday, so this whole week of just like just make it to Thursday first official football game, and then you just shatter <laughs> you my soul. Yeah, and you're sorry. like, no, dude, it's like Saturday. It's like Saturday night, I'm seven like, o'clock. Son of a gun, man, this is killing me. All right, so Florida Miami, we'll start with Florida that one. Miami I, right now. Florida is. Let's see. What do I would you say? I say Florida's the favorite. They got. Right? They have to be the favorite, but I don't think yep. by a lot. I think it, right. it's a. It's in Orlando, right? Yeah, um, at the Disney Bowl. I'm gonna say. <laughs> The I not the not ESPN game day. Yes. Whatever yes. that whatever that's supposed game to be. Game day, some guys that allegedly work for college game day will allegedly be right. at Disney World on that day. But you have to buy a hundred and fifty dollar ticket just to get into see just, college game it day. It sounds stupid. It's very odd. Either way. Ninety nine percent of people that are there are gonna be like what? Give me the spread. Um I'm gonna say Florida minus seven and a half. You totally cheated. Is that right? Yeah. On that's the nose? Impressive. You probably Minus look these seven up. and a half. No, yeah, no, I, you're just I swear. trying to impress listeners at this point. No, no, but it is always like a half point. So here's my reasoning: it. because Florida um, last year was seemed like one of those teams on the rise. I feel like they surprised a lot of people with with not only victories and losses, but 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 their margin of loss in some of the of, of the big name games. I thought it was crazy that the recruiting, like that article that came out. About uh Dan mm, Dan yes. Mullen's Florida class what, yes. from last year I think he had a top nine class and Very everyone specific. was just like Dan Mullen's getting Florida back they're turning mm-hmm. it around it's gonna be crazy he's doing this so fast apparently all the really really good players to make that class number nine didn't some qualify, somehow yeah. didn't pan out they either didn't yeah they either didn't qualify they they went somewhere else they just didn't come I don't know either way. You know, in every big recruiting class, there's there's a few guys that kind of fall off, mm-hmm. however so. But, but, yeah, so apparently there were so many quality guys from that class that didn't make it. They re-ranked Dan Mullen's Florida class from last year. And apparently it's, like, the worst recruiting class Florida has actually had um, in a long time. Like, huh. when you factor out the, the elite right. players like that didn't make it. Right, they're, top 50 class. Yeah, well, and they were comparing it with, like, other Florida class. I don't think right, it was, like, right. with the, against other teams. But, yeah, in terms of, like, a Florida, like, a you know, just a normal. One of the worst since they've been keeping track. Right, exactly. So then everyone's like, oh, hold on. Dan, you told me, Buddy. you know, we were turning right. around. And people are still super high on Florida. Well, they're super high on his defense. Or super high on his, I guess, offense. He's supposed to be, like, really Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's offense. just a string of bad luck. Either way, I yeah. Know. Like, I... I keep up the most with ACC, obviously. So when it comes to like specific coaches and schemes, mm-hmm. especially in the SEC and stuff, like I don't know too much. But either way, that that article is kind of like eye-opening. That you go from like a top ten nationally ranked class to like one of the worst Florida's had in quite mm-hmm. some time. So I was like, oh, okay, little little turmoil, right? Down in uh down in the swamp. What are but the chances? Yes. What what chance do you give Miami of winning that game? Dude, seven and a half. I mean. God, are we gonna not do against the, whole, the spread? Like, I'm just talking win. No, I, I know, and that's the thing. Are we gonna do the whole like my every single year people love Miami, right? And it's well, so nuts because they have so much talent, and it's true on paper you well, should had, love Miami, but then they had the best defense in the ACC last year. But it just seems like no matter what coach they have, whether it be like Mark Wright or uh, who is it now? Who's the? Are you talking about Mark Richt? 
Oh, and then, yeah, and then Rick, right? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now it is. Oh God, what is that? Is it Manny name? Diaz? Right? Manny Diaz. Sorry. Yeah. So, wow. good call. I hope he, you know, I, I don't know much about him. He seems fairly capable, and he's really so, getting in recruits right now. But either way, like it seems like they always start out super, super strong, and they look like they're going to be, you know, like a playoff discussion contender towards the end of the year, and then mm. something happens, and they, they just. just flat out like fall well, off the rails like so every, similarly every time. To, to Louisville they have to find a quarterback this year they just don't have they don't really have their guy yet um they have to figure out who that is right um so I mean I mean basically it, what what it's going to come down to is, is the defense um I mean I I think it's going to be like a, a 17 to 14 game I, I think that Miami is going to cover I think Florida will ultimately win what is another game that, that you had pulled up that was on the forefront of your mind. I have it. Well, if if the Florida Miami game does not interest you, which it should, because that's a hell of a first. That's a hell of a first game. College opener. Ten thirty p.m. that same night on Saturday, Arizona Hawaii. <laughs> there and you that, go. That's all right. Can I guess the spread on that? Yeah, you're I'm not gonna, gonna go, get that. That's weird. I'm gonna go Arizona minus twenty two. Okay, I was gonna say if you pick this, I'm like you sure as heck cheated for sure what no it? uh it's arizona at 13 13 that's it yeah i i honestly you lose isaiah hayes and everything I, just goes to I, hell i can't tell you yeah i was gonna <laughs> say like i don't even know what we got for the next week anything good yeah so they're okay week one here's here's an interesting one i didn't even think about cincy ucla oh man um and whatever oh website i'm going right now um it's not showing like where the curse of Mick Cronin. It's not showing where they're one. where they're playing at. So this makes it a little more interesting. So I don't know if this is like who's playing home and away or if it's neutral or whatnot. But I think it's a neutral game. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Either but... way, you got Chip Kelly. Ooh. Yeah. And you got Cincy. Cincy's been you know fairly solid. I'm like, gonna go. They're, they're never crazy good, but they're never bad either. I'm gonna go UCLA minus three, but I have no idea. Dude, Cincy minus four. Really? Yeah. Is UCLA that bad? They're not giving Chip any love at all. What else we got? So there is a ton and ton of small games, bunch of beatdowns. Real quick, speaking of beatdowns, what do you think the spread is on Clemson-Georgia Tech? Clemson-Georgia Tech. I'm going to say, man, Georgia Tech's going to be kind of down this year. It's a race to Ooh. the bottom between us and them, apparently. Apparently. Um. Oh, God. I'm going to say Clemson minus 37. Not bad, man. What uh, is it? Clemson at thirty-three. Wow. I mean, Clemson that's, at thirty-three. I yeah. think they'll still cover. I do. What, what do you think? So, so the the kind of the kind of um, pickle that they're in, I guess, at Georgia Tech, is that they have a bunch of players that are meant to run their old offense, right? Um, their old schemes, right? Um, and now which going, works for them, right. right? And now they're going what pistol Pete? Yeah. So, and they're basically just going polar opposite. Yep. Which is exciting, you right, know, like, right? But it's like football wise, that that should be more exciting. But when you talk about like the players in mm -hmm. the fit, which our coaches have like preached about and how right. important that is, which is why you had to switch around, you know, half the roster to mm -hmm. other positions. Yep. Yeah, that's and, kind of a big deal because like no one else runs a triple option. Right. Right. So, and so that's that's I mean, and you you have to recruit for the triple option. Right. Like that's a very specific type very, of like you very. said like they they wanted those kids for that offense. We saw Jay Jones on Last Chance U this year, uh, a guy who was supposed to be like the next guy at Georgia Tech, has some trouble, goes to junior college, and he had some injuries, but it just did not work out with that dude. 
um, in a different offense. Um, that's not to, that's not to say that good players can't come out of that program because they do all the time. Um, however, um, kind of difficult to envision Georgia Tech's defense keeping it within 35 points in that game. I think that Clemson will score at least 50 on that defense. I mean, Louisville heck scored what 34, 31 last year against Georgia Tech. I don't know, man. Just watching Trevor Lawrence like pick apart defenses last year, mm-hmm. and yeah. also seeing how good Clemson's defense always is. Like they're up, they're they have depth and they have seniority. Like they, mm-hmm. like there's a reason people are like are now like rolling their eyes and whatnot because it's like Alabama and Clemson every single year. I'm like look at look at the roster, <laughs> like just look on paper. The depth that they're talking about and and the quality of players they have, like that defense is going to be no joke. Mm-hmm. It might even be better than last year's, which is the scary part. So, yeah, um, yeah I think they'll cover. If they want to cover it, they will. Like it, it's going right. to be up to them. Right. Like he, like Dabo. They'll name their score. Yeah, da- yeah. Dab Dabo probably doesn't care either way. Um, but he probably does. He probably wants to cover it. He's like, <laughs> I don't care. He's like, let's just do one more touchdown one to more make touchdown, sure touchdown, boys. Just to make sure it'd be the Christian thing to do. It's the gutsy thing to do. Um, it takes guts. So I, one of my go, favorite post-game quotes, just ridiculous. <laughs> let's go one more game. What, what else? I got what else you. Got on the docket. Let's get a yeah, good. I was trying to look at a couple some ring teams. Yeah, I was, like I, was, I was trying to. Yeah, there's a lot of cupcake. A lot of cupcake. Um, oh, here's okay. So speaking of the two nationally ranked teams, we just went okay. over Clemson's, yeah. Alabama, Duke. Ooh. First, first week. Interesting matchup. Compare to the spread of Clemson Georgia Tech. Now I do think Ooh, Duke, I think that Duke I, is a little bit better cuz they they have a little more I'm going to go Duke so they had Clemson minus 33, right? I'm going to go Duke plus 23. So add um, add a touchdown. Alabama minus 20. So Alabama minus 31, 30. 30. It's wow. a 30. No, I mean, it is it is what it ah, is, that's, you know. That's, that seems about right. Yeah, there's a ton. Um, let's see. Virginia Tech, Boston College. That's going to be a close one um, on Saturday. Less than three Virginia points. Virginia Tech, Boston College. I kind of just um, gave it away to you. You said less than three points? Yeah. So minus two? Two and a half. Ooh. And who's favorite? Uh, I just scrolled so fast. Uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is... F- that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, some of these are so bad. Oh, here's an interesting one. Florida State, Boise State. That one's been That's talked about one. quite yes, a bit, yes. yeah. So I'm that, gonna guess that, that Boise State is favored. I'm gonna guess. No, they're not. What? No. I guess we mm-hmm. we when you think Boise State, you think Chris Peterson. You I think, think the damn Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> that was for me. The, Are you talking about? We're not talking about the Fiesta. We're talking about the Liberty Bowl. Was it right? Yeah, oh, Liberty God. Bowl. Did I just? Yeah, I they totally, put Alabama in the Fiesta Bowl. I was so confident. Um, no, no, no. I'm, t- I'm talking about Boise State. Uh, whatever the famous like. Oh yes, okay. When they played the th- yeah, I'm the sorry, hook and ladder, yes, the yes. the trick plays, right, right, and and that's what kind of all, that, that started the craze, game. the Boise State craze. That was right? for me. Like I saw, I watched that game live on TV growing up. Like that was the coolest game I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. Besides like the whole you know Vince Young Rose Bowl game, uh, that was like the cool because like no one gave Boise State a shot, and then all of a sudden like the Statue of Liberty, and then the hook and ladder, like back to back, and then the dude from Boise State proposes to his. Yeah, girlfriend was, on the sideline who was a cheerleader after they just upset this uh i forgot who they were playing they just won the trophy they just upset everybody and then he's like you know what i'm gonna get i'm gonna get engaged 
Whatever. One of the, that's one of the crazier games in recent memory. And oh, it's, it's awesome. So crazy that people refer to like postseason underdogs as like the next Boise State. Like when Louisville beat Florida in the Sugar Bowl, they were the next Boise State. Or like when Houston beat Oklahoma, they were the next Boise State. You know, that's right. so. I mean, interesting to see those those uh, kind of defining moments in college football. Prez, I got one more for you. Okay, let's hear it. It's a good one. Okay. 7:30 p.m. Okay. Oregon, Auburn. Ooh. It. I'm gonna yeah. say that Auburn is. Oregon's uh, on the come up, man. I'm gonna say Auburn is a six-point favorite. Three and a half. Wow. Three and a half. Yeah. That. Oregon, I think anything no, or- that gets around like three is at that point basically like a toss-up. Yeah. I mean, Cristobal's got them, them humming along, I guess, up there at Oregon. Yeah. So the, obviously there's a. There's a few interesting games. Most of them, um, most of them are, like I said, pretty, uh, pretty big cupcake games for the most part. Some of them, most of them, don't even have spreads. Um, so that's good. Oh, and then the final, I forgot to tell you about. I gotta scroll all the way back up because I am not that organized. Kentucky Toledo. Ooh. We will finish it on our rival team. Yeah. I know I feel like nothing about Toledo. No matter how good or bad Kentucky is, I feel like they start out the year with a game where everybody in the area that's a UK fan is like, oh, you got to watch out for those Toledans. What, kinda, is, what is Toledo? It would be like Toledo wins. The Toledites. No. What is, no, what is, their, what is their mascot? It's the little rocket. The it's like, rocket shit. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, because they're they're navy and blue, or they're navy and yellow, and then they have like the like the yellow Toledo, and then it's like a little tiny rocket ship. I'm gonna say the Rockets are plus. The rock, I don't even know what that's plus right. sixteen. Uh, thirteen and a half. Really? That that was actually pretty interesting. Like uh, you're it, talking it, about like a a Kentucky team that's already like the fans are already so so so. Um, I don't think pit. Well, probably pissed. Scorned would probably be the more appropriate term. Mm-hmm. I would think. Um, just because you beat Penn State in a Premier Bowl, mm-hmm. you're coming off the best season you've ever had, win-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you drop. Uh, you know, you 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 lose a few guys that really really kept your team. Right. You know, humming last year. But they have gotten like no love, like coming back, you know. Like that's the crazy. Like I think uh, what the recent, I can't remember if it's the athletic. I mm-hmm. think I want to say it's the athletic, but basically somebody just released like their, you know, their whole chart of a hundred, the top one hundred thirty D one teams, all one thirty D one teams. Right. And I think we talked about Louisville made it at a whopping one hundred and one, which by the way is still not the worst Power Five team. Thank you, Rutgers. Thank you, but, Rutgers. Yeah, uh, I think it was like Rutgers and maybe a couple others, but yeah, we, I mean we were basically we're right there. there. Yeah. Like Western WKU came in at like one fifteen or one sixteen, mm-hmm. um, but the best had to be like Kentucky. Yeah, literally was like a top ten, top fifteen last year, forty fifth. Yeah, forty fifth. Like they like, I think people gave Louisville more of a shot after Lamar. Yeah, uh, obviously before we started right. playing games. But they gave them like they gave Louisville more of a shot after Lamar than they're giving UK after Benny Snell and and Josh Allen. Like I didn't Man, think. I'm just saying like I I knew they were gonna drop off talent wise a little bit, but like I still thought nationally they would 
at least get to ride that momentum a little bit longer. Right. But right. Like, and they, that's, they get to basically just start over. But that's how prove, everybody feels again. about, that's the feelings that the country has about Mark Stoops. I think that it seems like nationally the perspective would be that a downfall is inevitable. Right. Um, just because well, I Not I like believe, a downfall, but like right. like a down... Um, like a just a, a little bit more of a down year than last year. Like yeah, like... A, yeah. Like a letdown. Yeah, a there let you down, go. I think a letdown be, would be inevitable just because um, Stoops, since he's been there, they went, what, they won four games, then six games, then eight games, then ten games. Then like five again. No, no, this, that, that that's what they've won. That's, oh, so you're talking about there, just like the last... Five, four yeah. or five years, and that, that's that's what it's been. They've basically increased by two games every year, so... True, but the, the tricky part is, too, the way I think about it is that they started winning more games, which they should have, because the rest of that division was pretty down, right? And so now that side of the SEC, uh, whether it be Mizzou or anybody else, like they're actually, you know, it's it's almost like the ACC. Like Louisville instantly, when they got to the ACC in their division, it was Clemson, Florida State. We're right behind them. We're climbing up. We want to beat Florida State. We want to be right in there in the mix to upset Clemson to get to the ACC championship. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. Right. We get we we came pretty close, but we missed our opportunity to capitalize, right? Because all the other teams, like Virginia sucked, um, like Syracuse wasn't that good. Like all these teams you're seeing now that are they're ranked. They're on the come up. Yeah. yeah, they're like Virginia's fringe 25. I think Syracuse came in at like 22. 20th, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so all the teams, we kind of let them catch up, and then we were the ones that took the tumble, and now we're playing, you know, like we're having to start over, and, like, and we're kind of, yeah, yeah, we're behind them. Yeah. So I, I think in some ways – Last year could have been Kentucky's like pinnacle, if you want to call it, because like the rest of their division got a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the the national media kind of knows that, and they're like, all right, well, you guys lost quite a bit of talent, and everybody else kind of gained some, or at least got maturity, you know, got a little bit better. So I kind of see that because you're not you're not gonna probably win ten games this year. Hell, I don't even think what what are they at six and a half? I think for the yeah, over yeah, under I think for that's teams. Over under. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about. Quite a bit a of major drop off. Yeah, that's not even but, just a little bit of a letdown. That's like a pretty significant like pullback. I mean, and, and they're they're out there claiming right now, like Vince Morrow and everybody else is, oh, we're you know we're not going to drop off. We're going to keep riding this momentum out. Like and, we're going to sustain this level. I just of think success, and I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think I think it's a wait and see thing. I just think I'm not convinced that they have what it takes. They they had basically three players that were, I would say, top ten at their position in college football. Josh Allen, um, Benny Snell, um, and then the tight end, CJ, was it Conrad? Is that right? I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to fact check that. I don't know. Um, but anyways, enough about Kentucky football. When we come back, we want to discuss a little bit about your Louisville Cardinals uh, on the other side. Stay tuned. So getting into what everybody really wants to talk about this week or what everybody wants to hear about, Louisville football, um, done talking about those Wildcats. Um, it's not like it was a good conversation. No, no, but. not really. So we're, we're in week zero. We're in purgatory. We're in the the final stage before we get to, to college football. What is the one thing that you're most excited for? Uh, I mean, 
not just Louisville football, but I think for me, it's more so just the entirety of college football for itself. So I love Louisville, of course, uh, but I think I just love kicking back on a Saturday, especially like if Louisville has an away game and you just get to right. watch like so many different games. I love technology now. Mm-hmm. I, I think streaming and, and I have a bunch of different apps and different subscriptions so hopefully i can watch as much as possible but i just like watching college football in general like i like really really good matchups like some of the spreads Mm -hmm. we discussed i think some of those games are super interesting um so yeah i think it's just just it's finally here yeah you know like we have activities what would you think about i've heard some people discussing this a little bit not particularly louisville centric but what would you think about in order to get fans more engaged get people coming to more games um before the game starts, playing other games on the big screen. Would that be weird? I think I've either we've talked about that idea or... Did we actually discuss this on the or podcast? Or maybe, I think some people, It's it's been out there, right? Yeah. It is like an idea. I, I like it. Um, I think it's a great Because people do want to watch other games. Like I know me and Keith have talked about it a couple times. Um, like Keith Wynn, um, and he doesn't enjoy going. To, to football games just because it, it does take up your whole day. And he's, like, a, part, he's a football junkie. He wants to catch as much football as possible. Right. So I totally get that because I love football as well. But I also just – I love the whole home game experience, like mm-hmm. tailgating. And I don't mind that it you know takes up right. majority of the day because that's what we waited for all offseason. But I totally get if, – if you're a guy that loves watching quantity, you mm-hmm. know, like, yeah, I would want to stay at home and, and flip channels and, and do everything else because you really are just strapped down to one game for right. the entire day. And one big thing that I've noticed that could still use some more improvement in Cardinal Stadium particularly is just getting a better signal at the game. Like, it'd be kind of cool um, if you could actually use your phone. I know it sounds, you know, it's like a sign of the times, I guess, but it'd be nice if, if you could, like, just kind of check in on scores, that kind of stuff throughout the game. But, you know, with 60,000 people there, it's kind of gets gets a little more difficult. Um, I, I don't know. I I think it'd be a kind of cool idea. Maybe at halftime, just to show some highlights, anything like that, just get people more yeah. involved. Um, I think that you know, especially well, every stadium, but especially like Cardinal Stadium, is going more towards like that sports bar, social scene, atmosphere. It'd be kind of cool to be able to catch some of that stuff, right? More and, in depth than just like seeing a score flash across the the screen real fast, right? And it seems more feasible now that the ACC network. Is, is a thing, right? So, like, they mm-hmm. don't have to get... Because I'm sure, you know, you could always come out and be like, well, it's cable rights and, and all right. this stuff. and But it, we're tied to the ACC network. I mean, like, if you just showed games in your own conference, I don't really see an issue with that. Cool. I, I, yeah. I think that would be... That would scoot around a lot of the red tape you'd probably find with that. If ACC network, if you're listening, this would be an awesome idea. ACC network, play the game. Well, and Tyra. I mean, yeah, like, just, yeah, even just if they showing, were okay with it, we still yeah. have to, like put it on our screens but i think going back to that to get fans in the stands right i don't think there's one magic bullet that's going to do the trick Mm -hmm. there's not you know um i think vince has done a great job so far of really really listening to the fans Mm -hmm. and a lot of the not even the bigger needs just more so like a lot of the fan wants like hey we want to tailgate earlier for certain games and and we want this to change and and we want to bring the logo back and he's you know, he's on board with yeah, a lot he's, of it. Yeah, he's, he's like listening. We're, like he's we're talking reading. about, yeah. even if people didn't like the, the, the tweet uh, third down music they, they provided for the voting, like apparently no one liked any of those songs. Yeah. But at least they're trying. Like yes. they're listening and they're, and they're putting forth effort like, hey, we hear you. What, what things, what else can we do to get you guys back? And I think uh, 
I know me and Jacob have already discussed it a couple times, but you know we're cool with packing up, tailgating early, head to the game because one, no one wants to wait in those lines to get in no. through security and the tickets, and yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But you know he provided what cheaper food and and definitely uh, pre pre kickoff beers uh, yes. that are only like two or three bucks. So I mean, mm-hmm. they're trying to incentivize the normal fan to get in early just because Louisville's also notorious for what like after the first quarter the stadium yes. might be mostly full yes i mean maybe I don't, at, yeah maybe kick off so when they're running out even for the biggest game i'd say 70 percent full is is very kind well and then you still have to grab your first beer from the party deck or mm-hmm. like it always seems like even during games there's a highway of people uh, around Always. under the under the normal stands, like that big just walkway of all the concession stands, and uh, like it just seems way too crowded. Like I don't understand a lot of the people <laughs> that just hang out on the hey, outside each of their the own. Th- at least they're there. At yeah, least they're, they're there, there. But well, I mean, uh, I guess at least they got the revenue. Like the tickets were already bought. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it just kills me that like some people don't actually ever sit in their seat if they have one. So we'll transition a little bit. One thing that I'm that was like a get-off-my-lawn moment right there. <laughs> you know what it grinds my gears. Yeah, no, I mean, don't even get me started with that kind of stuff. I go off in the group chat about that all the time. But Yeah, you turn into um, an old man sometimes. I do, I do for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to discuss, though, came out with an article recently ranking the 25, 25 most important players for Louisville football in 2019. Um, I've read through the article quite a few times, actually, and... It's hard for me. I really wanted to disagree and kind of get into it with you about some of this stuff, but it's hard for me to disagree with with, with the rankings. As far as uh, the top 25 as a whole, I mean, maybe you could get nitpicky about, you know, one receiver being more important than the other or one of the offensive linemen playing a bigger role or, you know, to to each their own, I guess. Um, For instance, I'm, I'm just looking through, if we look at the top five, so if you haven't read Alex's article yet, Check it out. Alex Stengel, biggerlouie.com, top 25 most important players in 2019. It's, it's, all right. So it's not even, I guess, yeah, it is most important, but, you know, I tried to make a case to explain it the best I could. Um, right. I tried to make a list that wasn't traditional, like, here's the best players on the roster. Right. So I, I would say, I would definitely say, I don't know, I'd say the top five might not be the best. The best five players, but I'd say well, that and that's the, the point, most, though. Yeah. So like that—that's what I was kind of explaining. Like it, you can, you can always do a normal talent like ranking just list for any team. Yeah, just like yeah, yeah. Who who's the best on the team? Who's the most talented? Everybody on this team is is talent. I mean, like we've talked about that all off season. So I I wanted to do something a little different and make it like an impact list, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about pure talent and stuff, I don't think like you know, I'm, I appreciate. I think uh, Ian Pfeiffer like retweeted it or something like that earlier. But right. like guys like that wouldn't really be on a on a top twelve like top twenty five talent list. Right. You know, right. but like in terms of impact, you need somebody. You, you kind of had to position. Once yeah. you explain the argument that okay, um, Ian Pfeiffer's on this list because Satterfield came into a roster that only had one scholarship tight end, mm-hmm. and he u- utilizes at least like two to three tight ends in different schemes and things like that. So. That's just on the field, plus mm-hmm. the depth you have to create behind it. So there was a huge need in that position, which makes Ian Pfeiffer way more valuable in terms of impact for that team. Because right. if he can do what they're they're hoping he can, I like you know we already 
know he can block. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he came from SEC uh, school uh, with a blocking background, so that's not the issue. But if he can turn into the tight end they think he's going to become, how much of an impact can that actually provide to Louisville? Right, and I, I, right. And I think that is, you know, that makes him a top 25 impact player because some of these guys, I tried to also explain it, it some of these guys uh, are making an impact because they are talented. Right. And some of these guys are on this list because Louisville needs them to make an right, impact. Right, absolutely. In, like, you don't have a choice whether to play good or bad. Like, we need you right, like, to I, have an impact I look here. at a player like Isaiah Hayes at 21. I think that's the guy that's going to step in. We talked about this last week. That's going to step in and probably start right away. Um, I, I look at another guy, maybe like like you alluded to, um, looking at Ian Pfeiffer at 22. So there you go. There's two back-to-back uh Guys that are that are fifth year guys, or I guess they're they, they both have two years of eligibility left, right? Um, yeah. So I think those are two guys that could step in right away and be huge game changers for not only um, what they're trying to execute on the field, but kind of what they're trying to to cultivate off the field as well. Um, so I, I think that those those are two guys that could be even higher. I think like you could have thrown a guy like um, I say his name a hundred times a podcast. I feel like, but Monty Montgomery, I think that's a guy that could have been on the list maybe. Um, your top five. Yeah, absolutely. And and then that's the whole thing. Yeah. Like I said, you're, you're always going to have more than 25 guys you're going to have to rely on. Yeah. I, I, I was just trying to come from a no. lot of the – I think a lot of the linebackers I put on this list as well. Um, yeah, so uh, – I don't think I had TJ in there. Right, uh, so you So, so you it was had, a lot of the guys that, that have been through the adversity exactly. at Louisville that and, have already kind of came through. Uh, it's crazy. Like a lot of these guys experience like their freshman year with Lamar Jackson – Mm-hmm. In a crazy high-powered offense, mm-hmm. scoring a bunch of points, getting top five in the nation, having a crazy game with Clemson at right. Clemson, and then to go from that and then what they experienced last year, I think some of them are just like, you know, shell shocked and like, what, what, what right. a roller coaster of two seasons. Um, but Absolutely. I think one theme you might see in this in this list that I created uh, is honestly guys they're looking for some type of redemption that yep. that have a chip on their shoulder that want to prove whatever they did um, two years ago wasn't a fluke. You know, mm-hmm. guys like Des Fitzpatrick um, is a great example. I mean, he had a phenomenal uh, breakout freshman year, like redshirt freshman year uh, with Lamar. And then obviously everyone's stats came down last year with, mm-hmm. you know, the poor QB play and just not scoring nearly as many points. Right. And we know he's that good. We know he's, probably better than he was, you know, from his freshman year. Right. Um, whether it be maturity, physically, you name it. So, I mean, he's ready to have a breakout year. All these mm-hmm. guys are literally on the cusp of just, like, give us a chance to show what we can do again in the right situation. Right. And I think that there's even a chance that there's some guys that are on this list that um, could potentially step up that, that people have never even heard about. Uh, anybody come to mind that um, – the average fan just has no idea anything about them, but they could actually end up being a huge impact player, end up stepping up and, and making a big impact this season. Yeah. Um, for the average fan that probably, I, it's always funny. We always show like for the average fan, I was like, yeah, me and you like track everything. I was about and, to say, and always yeah. find like yeah. the, the best breaking news. The diamonds for sports. In the rough, right. right. Exactly. Um, I don't think, the average fan realizes what an impact Ty Tyler is going to have. Agreed. Um, just because one, when you see it on paper, a transfer from Marshall that doesn't really, you know, 
ring the alarm for oh my gosh this is crazy like right. it's not like a Michael Dyer from you know from an SEC school or something crazy mm-hmm. but his skill set obviously is already recognized on a national platform right. because he already got listed as one of the top 100 college players I was about to say so, of 2019 so a guy like Ty Tyler is a guy whose statistics show um, could be one of the biggest impact players in the country not just on this team um, he's a guy who's on some NFL um, draft radars as well. Like this is a guy who could potentially come in. He wants to show out and show that he can do, he can perform the way he did in a smaller conference on the biggest stage. Right. Um, so he's going to get some opportunities. I mean, first game of the season, I saw Notre Dame has has a couple offensive linemen that are projected in the first two rounds. Like he's going to get an opportunity right off the bat to show that he's an elite defensive tackle. Um, so I think there's a lot of guys, like you said, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. Another guy who a lot of people haven't heard about, um, but has been making a lot of noise in the off season is Jack Fago. Um, and every time we type in the group message, <laughs> uh, everybody it, it gets auto corrected, um, which is or I guess it gets flagged or whatever. Jack Fago, funny name aside, um, is actually is actually a guy that's probably going to step in and get some playing time this year. Um, he's from Lexington Catholic um, here in Kentucky. Uh, hasn't played a single down on defense yet. He's played a little bit of special teams, but apparently he's one of the most freak athletes on the team. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's earned a scholarship. Am I wrong about that? Is he a scholarship player yep. yet? Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy who's on scholarship. He's a guy who has a chance to step in for um, Trayshawn Smith, who is a guy who's going to leave a big hole this season if he's not able to make it back, make his way back onto the roster. As far as we know right now, he's not with the team at all. Um, so Louisville is going to have a big hole in the secondary as far as depth. Um, a guy who came into the season as a walk-on, who's never played it down on defense, all of a sudden could potentially be a guy. We're not expecting a 20-30 tackle season, but he could be a guy who provides um, a lot of depth, um, who could potentially be not a breakout player, but a breakthrough player this year. Right, and I think staying on the defensive side, I that's also a great theme is that there's so many of these under the radar guys um, that are sophomores or that you know either redshirt sophomores or what have you. Or but, they were in, just in Bobby's doghouse. Like right, either that, and then they, you know you go through last year. Um, like a, a great example of that is cornerback, uh, like Chandler Jones is a perfect example because mm-hmm. I think, like you said, from the average fan's perspective, one, you know, unless it's Jair Alexander, mm-hmm. we don't talk about cornerbacks a Not whole lot. Really. Yeah. This guy was a four star out of, out of Florida. And at the time of his commitment was considered one of the best backs coming out of that state. Like that's massive for, for Louisville to land. Mm-hmm. And then just him only being a sophomore, like, I think some of these guys, Satterfield realizes like the raw talent is definitely there. You, you know, gotta, it's you just have to channel the the right, talent. Right, it's basically. just change. Yeah. You just have to, you know, it's going to take some time to erase everything from the previous staff, or like you know, you just yeah, practice yeah. training, whatever it may be, schemes, culture, you name it. Right, that part is going to take time. But I, I definitely think in, in terms of raw talent, like he knows some of these guys. I mean, Brown was so hyped when he figured out there's like 14 dudes on this team that aren't getting utilized properly. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Louisville fans should just be thankful we have a staff now that can evaluate really, really well. And going off that, evaluate a bit, talent is, really right, well. If that right. makes sense. Is there a guy that's maybe higher up on the list? So I'll read off the 
Um, no, no huge spoilers, but I'll read off the last five guys on this list. So we have at 25, Mason King, uh, 24, Boozy Whitlow, Malik Cunningham, Ian Pfeiffer, Isaiah Hayes. Um, it, we, we could keep going down the list. Is there a guy that's, that is high up on this list that could potentially be in the top five by, by season's end? Like, is, is there anybody that you had a hard time putting them up higher because you think that they could be there? There's so much potential there. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, I do. Um, I think Malik uh, could, depending on how they utilize him, because I mean, we and keep, his health, his health is a factor. Obviously, yeah, I I did hear he's not on crutches anymore, and and that's a great sign. So I do think it, even if he's not ready for the Notre Dame game, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how much they would be able to really utilize him. I think they're going to save him for um, more manageable games, if that makes sense. Like yeah, closer games we actually have a much better chance of winning. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting because depending on how they utilize him, he could be a breakout, you know, Tutu Atwell type player in different packages, mm-hmm. just yeah. making highlight reels after highlight reels. Or, you know, they still might use him sparingly in certain situations or Wildcat or however. So, yeah. I mean, you can take certain situations like that. Like, just like I said with the Ian Pfeiffer, I think he's, you mentioned, I forgot what, but he's. 21st, right? 22. Yeah. 22. Okay. Yeah. I've been 22. But him in... Uh, oh, God. Now my brain is... Who we got? Isaiah Hayes? Who we got? Who we got? No, no, no. Um, talking about the other tight end, uh, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. I there think you go. depending on, once again, like how they use them, because all we keep hearing about is, is uh, you know, we're going to need them to block a lot. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's great, but tight ends also catch passes. Right. Like it's a lineman that can actually catch, and I want that to happen, because... Louisville's had great success with the tight ends that have come through in the previous years. Mm-hmm. So knowing that he needs at least two starters for tight end right. in, in some in some different schemes, I think that's going to be really interesting. So Ian Pfeiffer's 22, but if they love him, if he can block and then just make little dump passes or, or whatnot, and he can truck a couple people, he and he's super dependable, he could be like a Jack Doyle type, yeah. like slow but de- but sturdy. Yeah, um, Yeah, I mean, you can... Obviously, you're going to be more impactful than what I thought you were going to be. But, right. but either way, like both of those guys are on this list for a reason because, like I said, like well, Louisville is really like linemen were weak, tight end were almost like non-existent. So I like that you bring up Malik Cunningham because I think that he's a guy um, who Louisville is going to want to use a lot this season. Reason being, I think that after this year, um, if he kind of is able to showcase his abilities a little bit more, I think he's a guy who's going to end up not being in that quarterback room next season. Um, I think that he's a guy that they're going to really try to to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. Um, reason being because I don't think they they don't want you don't want a guy like Cunningham to transfer. And if right. he sees his, his and future, that's what I was, yeah, right. If he's like a if he's similar to Lamar Jackson, like if he sees his future only as a quarterback, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if Louisville's going to be the place for him. So right. he needs so he has he's going to have to get on the field. Um, they're going to have to utilize him as much as possible. Um, so his health is a huge concern of mine, but yeah. I think that he's a guy who could end up being easily in the top ten on this list, right? Um, going in, into or towards the end of the season and then going into next season because I think he's a guy who could yeah. he could play like that Reggie Bonifan role, right? Where he can he can pass the ball, he can line up in the slot, he can line up in the backfield, he can do all all, right. all kinds of things. Well, he that's kind of similar. Returner, right? I mean, that uh, that's kind of similar with Tutu. I mean, Tutu played a quarterback, um, right. his I think what entire high school career. Before he got to college, and from what I've heard a little bit too, he, there's potential that he could 
be in some passing schemes as well. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely. I mean, I've I've seen. Um, you know, it's not like Satterfield doesn't have trick plays up his sleeve or, or certain things like that. I, I definitely think you could have Tutu be one of those wide receivers, wide receivers that actually is fairly accurate throwing the ball, right. uh, which opens a lot of different cool things. I'm sure, and I'm obviously Philly special, baby. I think one good thing about Malik um, before we get off, yeah. I'm not, I don't remember what interview it was from or what quote I read it from, but uh, I think he said something along the lines of. Uh, you know, I'll I'll do whatever they want me to do mm-hmm. to be the best for the team. It, it was something he, along the lines of like he understands if he, he knows his role, he wants to get the ball. Like he obviously mm-hmm. wants to get the ball as much as possible, and th- if that means changing me around in different ways, I'm down. So, yeah. and, and I think one big difference was Lamar never said that. Lamar, you know, stuck to his guns and always just kept saying, "I'm a quarterback. I'm a quarterback." I'm not going to do your workout because that's a wide receiver workout. I'm right. going to stick to things quarterbacks do. I think Malik's a little more open to to change, certainly, especially yeah. if he can get if that equates to more playing time on the field. Mm-hmm. And, and I think comparing him to Lamar, I, I think that as a college player, Lamar was almost immediately a more polished polished passer just because he could open up the field so much more. Um, with Cunningham, opposing teams don't see him as a threat. Once you get past 25, 30 yards, he's just he hasn't proven that he he can throw across the field. He hasn't proven proven that he can throw the hashes. He hasn't proven that he can throw um super well on the run yet. So he's a guy who's still a work in progress. Whereas Lamar was a guy who can fling it with the flick of a wrist, 60, 70, 80 yards. Right. Um. So a little bit a- apples to, apples to oranges there, but I could see Cunningham potentially having that role similar to how how Tutu Atwell. Um, kind of can play all over the field. And that's what excites me about him. And if, if for some reason we see him go after this year, um, that would be one of the more disappointing losses to me. Um, similar to like a Colin Wilson this year. I, if, if you listen to anything that I wrote or read anything I wrote last year, I was a huge Colin Wilson fan mm-hmm. last season. So um, would be similar and similar kind of impact to me. Anything else? Any more comments on the, on the top 25 most important? Uh, I, I definitely think Tutu is going to be, you know, Louisville's version of like the Swiss Army knife this season, mm-hmm. um, and I'm pumped to see that happen. Yep. Like I'm just excited to see these guys get utilized a lot of different ways, but just a lot in general. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think they're happy that, like you said, they're not going to be in some sort of like weird coach doghouse for no reason when they have the talent that can be used right. to win games. And the final thing I got a fun fact for you about okay. Notre Dame. Okay. Uh, so Notre Dame's starting quarterback. Yeah. Ian so Book. he, it was some sort of weird stat, but like he only threw it like a few times further than like 20 yards. Really? Like, crazy. So I'll, I'll find the actual stat and, and then next podcast people, I can actually, people are huge Ian Book fans though. Am I, am I wrong about this? Oh, I, he's, he's consistent. Like he's good, but apparently he just like when you're talking about arm strength and whatnot, like I didn't right. realize that. I don't think he's like crazy effective um, outside of like mid-range passes. Huh. Well, interesting. Gonna- One interesting thing I've been I've been keeping my eye on is do people are people giving Louisville a fair chance this year, or are people going more off of what happened last year? So a lot of the early prognostications are basically coming from Louisville's, based solely on Louisville's performance last year, seeing that they have the new coaching staff, people think it's going to be in complete rebuild mode. 
my question for you, it's kind of a more of a broad question, but do you think that basing predictions from this year off of last year's performance makes sense? Or do you think that last season is more of a wash and that there's more than what meets the eye? Um, do you think this, that statistics tell the full story um, going into the season? Or be, because no, we said we I, said we wouldn't do this, right? Because we we didn't we didn't want to jump on on the hype train. You know, we talked about it going back to May and June, um, and every off season it's it's inevitable. We go from oh, I hope that we just win a couple games that would they have a good time to now we're seeing all these hype videos. Now we're getting pumped up for the season. We're hearing reports out of practice that things are going well in certain areas. Um, and we tend to, as last season, you know, grows further and further um, out of sight and out of, out of our minds, we get tend to get a little too excited about the upcoming season. Um, do you think, though, um, that it's it's a fair comparison, or, or is it a wash from last year? It's there's there's not a right and wrong answer to this, right? Right, not obviously. It's, it's more of like a like a mash of the two, right? And that's why they play the games because we don't know because. One hand, you have every right to judge this team based off what they did a year ago. Right. Same time, totally different team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you it, got fourteen dudes just on the on the guys that stayed mm-hmm. are playing different positions. You have mm-hmm. what six grad transfers. Right. You have a whole new staff, a whole new culture, a whole new scheme, all these things. So, I don't think uh, I don't think the media is basing it off specifically what the record was last year, I think they're basing it off of it's an overhaul and Louisville also has a really, really challenging schedule. I think if the schedule was easier and more favorable, I think the conversations would be different. But hmm. when you talk about going 2-10 and 10, and then you know national people are talking about going just maybe even three games, I think a mixture of that is they have no idea like what this team's right. going to look like, but they do know the schedule ahead of them and it looks hard. Right. Especially right. for a first year coach with dejected players because they, they still know the things that are like came out from last season. You know, right. I'm sure these people that write about sports all day and make predictions all day, like they're not idiots. They, they understand like, yeah, some of that might probably have been the coach, but they're the ones that played the game. So we're basing off, prediction off that so right. and I think I think a lot of what's come out to um, and a lot of what has kind of changed our minds aside from just really just wanting to see good football and a good product on the field a lot of a lot of that's changed our mind is that players have come out and just straight up said like we quit last year like the effort wasn't 100% and I know we had the podcast with with uh, Keith Kelsey where Kelsey and um, Ivan Green just kind of swore up and down that they, you know, they didn't think that that the product on the field was a product of quitting. They just thought it was kind of a, a mentality thing. Um, they said, you know, guys at this level, they just don't quit. Um, they never give up. And we we did see that a little bit. You know, you saw the frustration from Mickey Crum in, in the final game, basically like getting in a fight with a coach on the field because you know he didn't want to end his career in that way. So you, you saw there were players who were upset. There were players who you know didn't want to end their career in that manner. Um, however, there have been a lot of younger guys who are just like, yeah, I mean, we just gave up. Like, we knew Bobby was gone. We knew we were just playing for this next season. Um, so, th- and I, Which I think should that's be what, a little concerning, though. Like, definitely here because from what I've been said, yeah, if you're at that level of competition, you shouldn't just give up, regardless of the situation, because like you have that kind of pride 
mm-hmm. as as a competitor, especially making it as far as a Power Five school. Right. But when you hear them like admitting, like, yeah, we we chose to quit. Well, okay. Well, now that's already kind of like in your mind. Mm-hmm. You you hope it's not going to repeat itself. Right. And and I wouldn't think it is because of the staff and and what they're trying to instill in these guys. But they've already they've already done it. Mm-hmm. Like they've already I've already quit once. Yeah. I know how to do it. You know? Yeah. Like it's not that hard. No. Just, yeah. I mean. But I I think they're being held way way more accountable. Oh, for sure. And like I, that that's the big thing. It, and that's that's where the family part comes. I don't think people understand that. Like fan wise, when they keep talking about and emphasizing like a family first culture, families hold each other way more accountable. Sure. Than just a coach seeing you in the hallway that apparently didn't talk to you very much and when he did most of it was cursing at you or whatever so there was just there was no accountability because like there was no communication right like that that's what it comes down to and so when you're telling these players yeah we're going to be family well that's that's really great because i think that's gonna you know that would make me want to open up more which makes me want to try harder which makes me want to be held accountable you're gonna fight for somebody else you're gonna want to work harder for somebody else if you have that established relationship with right. them. And, and to me, everything that you just said, uh, it just goes back to culture. Um, I think that the culture had gotten so bad around that team. I think that there are a lot of guys, like we alluded to earlier, that should have played last year that didn't get to play. I think there were, there was a lot of just really confusing decisions that were made. Um, to me, as somebody who's been, I'm not sure if you've ever been a part of a toxic company culture. If you ever worked for a job, you don't have to say who, and it may, may not if you, you may not have. But have you ever worked for a, a worked a job where you just know the culture there was just horrible? Yeah, right. But so I, I think also, we all have. I mean, yeah, you know. you're also, you know, young, broke, and yeah, I but, need money. So right. I mean, you, you kind of just there's a level of 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 what you can take, right? Right. Like what you can sustain on a daily basis. Exactly. And there's more. I would I would venture to guess that there's more poor company culture there's more people that want to leave their jobs in this day and age than people who don't it was on a commercial today uh, okay so that's actually it was on a radio commercial yeah like either a podcast or a radio commercial um 51 percent of people currently enjoy what they're doing job wise which means 49 percent don't yeah or at least are indifferent i mean at, so basically just split it down the middle at that point right like, and, and that's only the people that admitted it if you really think, exactly. like in a blind survey, like they still were like, yeah, but I, I still think some of the people that said, exactly, I love my job every day, I'm like, ah, point being, not. if you've ever been a, a part of a bad company culture, I think that much of the same can be said as far as rebuilding a culture um, for a team. I don't think that things change overnight. Um, you have to get with the team, you have to figure out who is going to be all in, you have to test their mental fortitude, their willingness to. Um, kind of be a, a part of the team, the willingness to fight, like like we were just saying, to fight for for the guy next to you, um, and that takes time to weed those guys out. Um, I think that we are going to be surprised by some of the guys that get on the field. Like I just said, you know, we were just talking about Jack Thago, a, a guy nobody's ever heard of, a guy that's going to break into the rotation this year. Why? Because he is buying into the culture. Um, yeah. and th- there there are any number of players that. Um, that are going to be on the field this year that we just didn't even think of, like like a guy like Maurice Berkeley in the running back unit. Yeah, I think that's Nick a guy that's, or yeah, Nick Nick Okeke, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like they they're really high on that guy, and half the people are like, 
oh, like Hikatini? And I'm like, no, he, yes, he's, no, he's already no. gone. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, different person. Exactly. Um, so I think yeah, that there's... So there's a lot of people that don't know There's going to be guys that just stars, don't... Yeah. That they just don't fit their culture. They don't right. mesh well with the coaching staff. And I think that that's the reason why you'll see a little bit of a slower rebuild. Um, so to kind of go back a little bit to the initial question asked, um, I... I don't think that it's it's a fair analysis just to look at the stats from last season just because stats don't often tell the entire story. Um, and I think that effort and hustle can account for, if not wins, at least having, having things be closer. Um, and that's why I alluded to earlier on in the podcast, just um, Louisville would be a good team to bet on this year because Vegas is going to be down on them. Because they were so high on them last year and got burned right. so many times in a yeah, row. They hate us. If we're just talking spreads, I think that Louisville is a team that's going to be competitive this year. And I think that's all that you can really hope for. But that's the thing. Like, as fans, even as, like, obsessed fans, we still have no idea what that product's going to look like or how yeah. effective it will be in the, the, co- the coaches you know, like and starting players right don't off even... the back. So, of course, like, yeah. Vegas has no idea what we're working with i mean only the that's the crazy part of this season like jacob has said numerous times like there's so i don't remember another season that has had so many like open-ended questions going into the first Mm -hmm. game yeah you know like it's it's not it's exciting because like you said that we're kind of at the floor so we're not really having any pressure to hit a ceiling i mean that that's the thing you you get to three that that was minimal expectations to begin mm-hmm. with. So yeah, I mean you got you got to let the cake bake, man. That's what they always say. That's yeah. what old Bobby B always says. Yeah, Anyways, we're gonna end yeah, it for today. That's gonna do it for us. We have some puppies to pet. Um, until next time, we will see you guys next week. What next?